G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Uh, Let me say a special welcome back as we do on a Thursday. Charles Newington is the National Director of Family Voice Australia. Hello, Charles. Welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Good morning. Charles, always appreciate that you are thinking very deeply about the issues, not only those that are going on within our borders here on our continent of Australia, but the way that the world is changing right now and this idea that, you know, you can look for signs and you can speculate and you can predict what the outcomes might be if people join the dots one way and not another. What are your thoughts for, in general, the way things are changing in the world right now? Yes, thank you, Neil. For a while in our conversations, we've been following what's been happening between the U.S. and China and how it began because the U.S. was concerned about the um, intrusions into uh, matters of privacy and they felt that, the, that China was taking intellectual property, etc., by hacking companies and, and governments and things like that. And so they took this strong stand about Huawei. You might remember that. Mm. And um, we've been watching how this has been gradually developing into quite a standoff between China and the U.S. and how now we can see that the relationship between China and Russia is is actually forming into an alliance, uh, a a kind of anti-democratic, totalitarian alliance. Uh, And um, we see that recently uh, China swapped um, 5G Huawei technology um, with Russia uh, and they got received in in exchange military capacity. Uh, And and then we just recently seen in the newspaper uh, today, it was reported on the fact that they're now cooperating with that um, that northern Arctic uh, shipping route that's been opening up as uh, climate has been changing. There's been longer periods where the Arctic uh, route has been has been open, and so um, Russian uh, fleets have been coming out of the uh, right around the top there, the top end around Norway into the Atlantic. And uh, China and Russia are are doing that in order to uh, have access to Western and Asian markets. Uh, it's a shorter, more cost-efficient route, and uh, and and in particular, they're shipping natural gas out. Um, and so, um, so here what's important said- here, Charles? What you're saying is that when there are relationships that become fractured. Uh, between nations, you find that those that have the similar uh, political foundations actually find a grouping together. And so you're talking about China, you're talking about Russia, who share this same anti-democratic, communist, uh, totalitarian type of uh, system of governance, uh, that they actually see some camaraderie together. and, uh, And so an alliance here being formed actually has effects on the whole world. Is that the way you're saying? Yes, and I think that, you know, we've been through a period where international trade has has um, made it possible for countries like China and the US to to build a closer relationship. And uh, so they've come from a long way apart. And over the 
the period of uh, you know of the 21st century we've seen there's been quite a lot of um of trade and with that trade a new sense of understanding etc but because there's been the feeling that that trade has been uh, has been used as a way of uh, capturing intellectual uh, property you know stealing Tra- uh, business secrets and, and patents and things like that, the trust has has diminished again, and uh, and now any any criticism of those actions is you know is is the loss of face to China. It's an insult, you know, that that they should be caught with their hand in the cookie jar, and so they feel um, that the trust has been diminished. And we don't know exactly the measure of what's been going on in in the back rooms on this, uh, but it's been sufficient for. Um, um, uh, an increased militarization on the part of China. And now we see that Russia and China have been talking to each other as if to say, look, we've got a lot of common interest here. Um, This is a time when Europe is increasingly distracted by issues like Brexit and right-wing nationalism. There are countries in in the European Union that feel like they've been getting a very raw deal out of the Union. And so this has created uh, uh, an interest in, in, in nationalism uh, and uh, what we people think of as right wing um, you know being being patriotic is is viewed as a right wing these days but that's that 's the kind of distraction and of course the the huge migrations that the, that Europe has struggled with so while Europe is distracted and somewhat weakened by these things uh, there 's been this gap in the geopolitical landscape and uh, and China and Russia have are sort of holding hands and they 're moving into that gap. Uh, uh, quite forcefully. So the world is, is changing. And, and one of the things that we've been watching is in Hong Kong. You've probably been watching the fact that in Hong Kong there's been strong popular resistance to extradition laws and the special relationship between Hong Kong and China is being severely tested. And these extradition laws would allow criminal suspects, uh, if China felt that there was somebody in Hong Kong that they, uh, that they, that they wanted, uh, they would... Uh, they want extradition laws where they can actually get that person out of Hong Kong. And what the Hong Kong people are concerned about is that uh, that, that means them. It doesn't just mean foreigners that are coming through, but it means that Hong Kong residents would soon find themselves being tried, not in Hong Kong, before a court system that has an old British uh, approach to the law that you are innocent until proven guilty. They'd find themselves being tried in China where you're guilty until proved innocent. <laughs> and that's hard to do from jail. They, they don't want to go that way. So they're just fighting to defend that old uh, British uh, tradition. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you raise Hong Kong uh, because, in some sense, it talks about the consequences of what happens when you have this strengthening totalitarian state, as we are seeing in China, because uh, Hong Kong, with its British roots and its different approach to law, uh, really, as you say, uh, you're raising this whole idea of, uh, you know, guilty until you can prove yourself innocent from jail, uh, which seems to be the way that the communist system works. But uh, on the other side of that, uh, with our understanding of what justice ought to hold, it's this idea of being innocent until proven guilty. So it's just one of those consequences uh, where you've got the clash of these different ideological foundations for what governs the world. Uh, So those sorts of things, they remind us just how serious it is to make sure that there's a balance here and not something that becomes overbalanced and then all all of a sudden threatens us all. And how much we must value our traditions. You know, there's a a sense in in our society today that, 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 that our 
that our history is 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 not important that it should be ignored but our history gave us things like innocent until proven guilty it gave us the rights of freedom of speech and the right uh, and rights of freedom of religion and conscience and these things these things that are so fundamental to a free and open society and much of that came out of the influence of uh, of christianity and uh, we know that uh, you know this is this is uh, indisputable and and in the rejection of christianity as we see it in this country uh, and in much of the west the the ideologues who and uh, so-called progressives that want to reject the the christian influence what they're actually doing is they're actually digging up the foundations of a free society and and pulling them out so that, you know the, uh, in you know blind freddy can see where this is going you know that this is going to this is going in the same direction as what we see happening in china and other totalitarian situations where the state um the state feels it's above the law and another example of course developments in the south china sea where china is expanding its operations there and there's obviously you know a posturing that's going on there too and that sort of comes out of these types of uh, totalitarian foundations as well Charles and uh, flexing muscles. Yes well you can understand how this is the subtle relationship between trade and um, military expansion you know what used to be called imperialism um, when when you have trade interests, it's understandable that you want to protect those trade interests, but that can be a kind of an excuse for other ambitions. And um, this article that um, we see Paul uh, Paul Malley in the in the Australian uh, his article is called uh, Japan to Counter China. He quotes a report by Dr. Malcolm Davis of the Australian Strategic Policy Institute. It's a think tank, and he talks about the way in which. Um, uh, Japan is being encouraged to help to counter uh, China's expansion uh, in the and really the, the thing is you know uh, this is a, this is me in a rather simplistic way saying that what they're suggesting is a ring of forts really uh, around um, you, you know the southeast um, uh, like the South China Sea a ring of forts around these nations from Japan uh, right the way through to India type thing uh, to 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 kind of curb uh, China's global aspiration. Now, um, I think that, you know, this kind of language, um, what they're saying is that Australia is a part of that, of course, and that, that we have to recognise that the defence of Australia can't begin, you know, at Weeper, but the defence of Australia has to begin in Papua New Guinea, in the Philippines, and uh, in Singapore and other places far north of us. So that's the, that's the kind of global language, and we have to be so careful in this that... Uh, the complex role of talking about this, because if we talk about it, it seems to raise the temperature of hostility. And we mustn't neglect the fact that there's a counter conversation going on in the Chinese media, you know, in the Chinese language media, where they, they, they hear a conversation like this that seems to be so anti-Chinese. But it's not really anti-Chinese, but it is anti, anti the kind of militarism that they need to see and understand that this militarism is threatening the region. It's threatening the stability of the region and the freedom of nations. And they they feel intimidated by it, and so they have to respond. And we have to respond in the media by saying, look, we have to talk about these things, but let's try and talk about them with as much, um, you know, as much calmness as we can and how much our politicians need our prayers because every word is weighed. 
Charles, best case scenario, everybody keeps a cool, level head and uh, the posturing is about uh, maintaining borders and maintaining uh, the current circumstance. Worst case scenario, uh, heading towards a season of global instability. Uh, What are your thoughts for the way things are unfolding? Because sometimes uh, there can be triggers that uh, get people who are hot under the collar and doing things that they obviously may regret later. But uh, conflict and all of those sorts of things, even war, uh, are possibilities. What are your thoughts for what might be unfolding? Yes, I, I, I you know, it's often said that uh, that one thing that's significant about the, the West in the last 30 or 40 years is the absence of true statesmanship. And um, so people, I mean, for instance, President Trump, People, the last thing people want to do is classify him as a statesman. You know, they they they, they think it's a joke in the popular popular media. But the thing about him is that if you if you can if you can dispense with that kind of rhetoric, which he may well deserve, um, a lot of his uh, a lot of his actions have been actually um, um, uh, courageous, <laughs> to put it that way. And um, um, and I think that. You can see the desperate need for statesmanship. Um, you, you, we need calm heads. We need people that can manage extremely difficult circumstances. Uh, and and this is this is not an easy season. You know, I've I've got friends that are cleverer than me, and I was talking to them just yesterday about about the reasons for World War One and how complex that is. And when you know you talk to people about how is it that the nations came to war in World War One. Uh, because it all seems to be put down to, um, you know, the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. Um, but but there were lots of other factors that were going on that were the, like these dots on the board that you had to try to join that were sort of saying there's a militarism here, there's an there's a, there's a imperialistic uh, ambition here in, in, in Germany, and something's going to trigger it. Uh, and that's what we, we need here. We need sort of a calm appraisal of situations to make sure that international trends don't run too far and run into the hands of somebody who just, you know, does something crazy, and before you know where you are, um, uh, the world is uh, the world is in a in a new season of great um, conflict. And, yeah, well, Charles, running short of time here, uh, yeah. the idea that uh, we're Christian believers, uh, many of us uh, listening into the conversation uh, regularly on our knees. Asking oh, yes. for God to, oh, yes. uh, you know, be merciful, uh, for yes. praying for peace, yes. uh, these sorts of things. Uh, what are your thoughts for the action that we take on our knees and what sort of practical actions that might come from that position on our knees before God as Christian believers uh, facing the uncertainties that are ahead? What are your thoughts? Well, I was uh, reading actually in um, Philippi- in Ephesians, and it says here Paul prays for us, and he prays that we might um, have an understanding. It says an understanding of the incomparably great power for us who believe, that we we may understand the incomparably great power, and and and. Um, and then he goes on to say that that power is is like the power that raised Christ from the dead, and and I think that it's so important for Christians to understand the incomparably great power of prayer, for instance, of of uh, of what the privilege is of coming before God in prayer. That prayer is not just some kind of 
ceremony or little private ritual that we do. But it's, it, it's to be constantly seen against the background of the reality of it, that God welcomes us into his presence and he wants us to talk to him. And more importantly, he wants to talk to us so that our prayers are not just the sum of our ignorance, you know, where we're just shouting out, help, I don't know what to do, but so that he can advise us and direct us and shape our our actions and shape our prayers. Because there's this amazing thing about prayer that that God not only hears prayer audibly, but he responds to it. And he wants to inspire it because uh, it's so important that, that, that our action is shaped by the very word of God to our hearts. Uh, through the scriptures and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and 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 we mustn't, we we need to understand that this power is released partly in prayer, and what prayer does is it inspires us to act in in very personal, private ways, but also inspires us to act in in political and uh, and even global ways. And you know, the way that, for instance, the Prime Minister will be praying, you know, may be very different to the way that we are praying, but he still needs us to pray for that he has the wisdom to understand the will of God in the very complex situation he finds himself in. Well, Charles Newington, always appreciate your insights. And I'll point people to Family Voice Australia's website, familyvoice.org.au. Charles Newington is the National Director of Family Voice and always appreciate so much uh, the depth by which you're thinking through these issues, Charles, and uh, the grace and humility that you have in being able to bring these issues to the forefront uh, for listeners to be able to extend our understanding of what's going on as uh, the world is changing, and not just oh. here in Australia, but uh, all of these circumstances that are going on around the world. Charles, appreciate you so much. Thank Thanks you, for man. being with us again on 2020 Today. Have a good day. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.